This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When I think about the people that I am most blown away by over the last three years of making this podcast, the people that I'm most surprised and honored and proud to have had on the show, Johnny's son jumps right to the top of my list. I had long admired Johnny for having just this amazing Twitter account that was equal parts hilarious and creative and emotionally deep. And then he wrote and illustrated this book. It's called Everyone's a Alien When You're a Alien Too. And it just, it filled me with so much joy. I hadn't experienced anything like that ever. And so that was when I got to have Johnny on the podcast to talk about all of that and to dive into that. And it was so interesting hearing kind of some of the behind the scenes and getting to talk about his story. And I love that conversation and I still think about it so often. And here's what's wild. Like, I thought that Johnny was just so impressive and he had done all these incredible things and I couldn't be more inspired by him. And then after uh, we recorded our podcast, Johnny went on to go uh, and become a writer for Netflix's original series, BoJack Horseman. And he was named one of Time Magazine's 25 most influential people on the internet in 2017. (laughs) And then he also partnered with the wonderful Lin-Manuel Miranda on creating the book Good Morning, Good Night, which I believe was on the New York Times bestseller list for 10 weeks, which is wild. Um, (laughs) And so I love going back to this old episode with Johnny because I I think that you kind of get to see some of his roots. I feel like it's deeply inspiring and it's beautiful to look at where he's gone from this moment. I'm so excited to be getting to share this episode again this week. I am Brandon Harvey, and this is Sounds Good. This is the weekly podcast where we have conversations with inspiring people who are rejecting cynicism and using their lives to make an impact. Sounds Good isn't your typical three steps to success podcast. We don't host this podcast for the sake of leaving you with bullet points on self-improvement. We just believe that our lives are more complex than that. And so We show up here on Sounds Good to ask big questions, to dive into nuance, and to learn from each other's stories. And kind of as a reminder, we're taking some time off from the podcast right now to work on, well, more of the podcast. (laughs) Uh, And so we're just taking some time to celebrate some old favorite episodes. And so this is one of our old favorites. And whether you've heard it before or this is your first time, I hope that you enjoy it. Hope you get something great from it. Uh, and I hope that it inspires you. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with the wonderful Johnny Sun. I was trying to think about the very first time that I came across your work. And I say work because what you do on Twitter is, it seems to be very intentional. And like you're approaching it like an artist would approach art or anybody would approach a project. But I have three theories on how we could have come across each other. 
my first theory is I love Lin-Manuel Miranda and and he loves you and you love him. And so I, I may have seen him tweeting back and forth at you. Idea number two, a ton of people on uh, just a ton of my friends definitely follow you. And I've seen you retweeted from time to time. And so it could have just been that culmination. But lastly, which I think might be the most accurate is our mutual friend, Adam JK, Adam J. Kurtz, who's a former podcast guest. You guys are buddies. And he's talked very nicely about you to me in person. And so that could have been the very first real time that I was like, this guy's awesome. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> um, and yeah, Adam is, Adam is such a, such a wonderful uh, force of nature as well. Yeah, I think that as are you, as are you. As like, and when I when Adam like kind of t- told me about you, I went and looked at like all your work, and I was like, this is so cool that we're all interested in talking to each other and becoming friends. Yes, this is the best. We'll do another podcast episode where the three of us just hang out, but but we maybe just won't record it, and then we'll just eat food while we do it. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> that sounds great. We're reinventing the podcast medium. Oh, it's fantastic. It's like you <laughs> and me and him all listen to it. And we are right. part of it, and we could just call it a conversation. That's brilliant. Perfect. That's brilliant. <laughs> um, <laughs> so on Twitter, I mentioned this before, but you are very intentional about what you've created. So you've got this account where your your face is not the profile picture, um, and and you are not yourself, though in some ways you are yourself. Let me have you explain at the top of the show who is Johnny Sun. Or even more so, who is Jomni's son, uh, uh, your Twitter character? Who is Jomni? I, well, I think, like, I mean, I'm, like, kind of obsessed with the, this, like, the relationship uh, between, like, a, a real-life persona and then, like, your constructed online personas and your identities. And for me, it's, like, I don't really see my Twitter, like, my Twitter account as a character or, like, or, or something that's constructed. I am... Um, I kind of have a very honest connection to to Twitter, and so I I, I kind of just see it as me, but maybe filtered through um, a specific voice or a specific kind of tone. Um, but and what is that voice? Well, I think the cool thing about having at least a little, like a small step away from like this is me, Jonathan Sun person, is is that it lets me be more honest in a weird way. Like it lets me, it kind of creates enough of like a separation for me to feel actually more comfortable and safer to to speak my, to like kind of talk about what I'm going through and my anxieties and issues and, um, and just my random dumb, silly thoughts that I have throughout the day. And it, it like makes me less self-conscious in a weird way. And I think that's kind of like the power of, um, of anonymity and of, of kind of constructing, a separate identity online is it lets you really um, be more honest and be more yourself, even though you aren't attached to yourself. You're like yeah. your real life identity, which is such a weird paradox, right? It is because it's you are connecting with people on, on a deeper level, but you're also keeping something from people. But there's something interesting about what the way that you've done it because it's not like you're impossible to find out about, like. I could I could go and I could go to your website and and learn about, you know, Jonathan's son, the human behind the Twitter account. It's not like you're just a totally faceless account. You're just I don't, I don't know. There, it, it's a very interesting thing, and I and I like that I can't quite put my finger on it. And maybe that's what 
the hundreds of thousands of people who follow you also like about it because it's not cut and dry. I really haven't seen anybody do that before. Right. I think like I I think I'm very conscious about making sure it's not just like a, a character account or whatever. Um and and trying to blur that line because I don't think because I think I don't think I would ever have like a personal account like at Jonathan's son would not make sense to me because this still is my personal account. I think you're right. I think that kind of weird blurring of of all those things makes it hopefully it makes it fun for people because they don't really know what what they're what they're getting and I think that's kind of fun yeah and the other thing is like I I uh I it wasn't always that I had my real life kind of identity tied to it like for for yeah for most of my time on Twitter I actually was completely anonymous and it's it's kind of like a blessing that my name is Johnny Sun or Jonathan Sun because it, it kind of sounds like a made up name. <laughs> um, and I like and the the coolest thing was like my account was always Johnny Sun and I think most people just assumed well like that's a pseudonym. Yeah, so I never really had like anyone like search for me by that name, but eventually I did kind of uh, put my real identity somehow linked to it and um and yeah, the reason I did that was uh I th- well, for a while, I just like I was I had like a healthy dose of fear of the internet, or like I think everyone's kind of like a little bit afraid of of the internet, and I think a lot of people do have like those kind of issues and want to be a bit separate. But the other thing is like I I um I think I realized that I I hadn't I had never really seen that I'm an Asian Canadian and so I'd I'd never seen Asian Americans or Asian Canadians really represented in comedy or entertainment that much and so part of my thought process was like well I I feel like my own identity might bias how how I'm perceived online like I and I I kind of wanted my work and my my words to to be the the reason that people were interested in in me and not kind of like that that first weird bias. Interesting. Would you say that it was you saying I don't want people to immediately associate me as an Asian American, or is it is it just that you wanted it to be totally separate from that? Yeah, break that down a little bit. Well, I think like I mean my experience as as like an, an Asian American doing comedy or trying to do comedy was um, I think there is a lot of weird bias i've had moments like when i was when i was interested in improv and doing sketch comedy in toronto where like i I was made to play like the asian character a lot or 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 people would kind of like do the weird microaggressions like oh well like we've never like seen an asian do this or like or like what are you doing here this this doesn't make sense to me and so you just wanted to create comedy without any of that associated with it yeah, yeah, and I think um like part of that was just like I I I wanted the work to speak for itself and I I'd, I'd only ever found that my racial identity got sort of in the way which I like which I think is very unfortunate and I think that's um the, uh, like the biggest reason why Asian representation in in the media is such a big important discussion and I'm really happy that it's happening now because it's getting better and better. I think my personal experiences with trying to like break into comedy has uh, made me a little bit sensitive to that. Let's talk a little bit more about your background in comedy and also your background in so many other things because you aren't just 
you know, a Twitter personality, an author. You are an architect, a designer, an engineer, a playwright, a comedian, and a PhD student. Like you have all of these things going on, all of these skills underneath your belt. This is just what, you know, the people on Twitter know you for. But other people know you for, you know, in these other little subcultures, know you for, you know, architecture, engineering, all these things. Which craft came first in all this? Or or not even craft, which uh, interest came first for you? I think, I mean, as long as, like, as far back as I can remember it, it kind of all existed at all times. And I think like, like when I was a kid, I was, I was like drawing my own comics and writing my own stories and um, being like super creative and, and interested in, in art and like in, and music. And I, I like did jazz dance when I was a kid and all like all these different, very like, like the, in the big arts bubble. Uh, but I was also, I loved like the math and the sciences. I loved like all the STEM fields. Um, and I, I, I think like that's always that kind of those two things have always existed in my understanding of myself and in in my kind of perception of of the stuff that I've always wanted to do and so it's like the the I think the the complicated answer is like it's kind of both at all times and I think that's like the struggle that I have always because it, it just feels like I constantly feel like I I there are too many things that I want to do and not enough time and um not enough like space to do it all so I'm trying really hard to just to to stretch and and do everything that I that I'm that I want to do I would imagine that you feel pressure now and and probably felt pressure growing up to just pick one thing what's helped you fight that uh that maybe push from others and maybe even I would imagine there's an internal fight over that as well right well the external one is Probably an easier one to explain, which is that most people are not interested in like all the dimensions uh, that a person has, right? Like most people are, and like it's it's such a unfortunate thing where um, like I've I definitely get put into boxes, and even before people find out what I do, just again like they see an Asian guy trying to do something and and they put me in a box already but then given like my work and the different fields that I'm kind of involved in I think people get uncomfortable when they can't really pin you down or they can't like describe you in two words yeah our minds Uh, value simplicity and it's it's just burning more calories to try to figure out what is this person I can't categorize him Right. And and then and then people get like frustrated or confused or like the worst part, like the worst reaction I get is when people like when they hear about and not just to me, but when they when people hear about anyone doing more than kind of one thing is their reaction is like, oh, well, this person must not take this thing seriously if they're also doing all these other things, you know, and that's like kind of the hardest thing to get get through because when someone thinks that then you 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 can't you basically don't have an ability to like really connect with that person because they don't think you're taking what you're doing seriously and and for me I like my argument is well if someone is going through all the work to to do more than one thing and to kind of um, pursue more than one interest that means they're taking both of those things much more seriously because they can't let either of them go yeah yeah that's really that's a really good way of looking at it Right. And like, so that kind of goes to my, the, like my, the internal process of thinking about this stuff, which is, um, I've never been able to be happy just doing one thing. Um, I, and the times that I have just tried, like I, 
I did my undergrad in engineering. And for the first year, I thought, um, well, okay, I have to, I'm in engineering school now. I have to like become an engineer. I'm not going to do uh, theater. I'm not going to do comedy. I'm not going to write. I'm not going to do like all the kind of artistic stuff that I was involved in in high school. And that year was like the most miserable year of my life. Um, and so, and I, and I, like, I was going through, I think I, that was like the first year I kind of was really struggling with anxiety and depression, even though at that time I didn't have the right tools to identify that and call it that. Um, but that was by far like one of the toughest years of my life. And I think part of that was because I was trying to box myself in and, and I was not um, able to kind of have all these different outlets that I realized I needed to have in order to be happy. Wow. Yeah. That's a really beautiful thing to, to kind of understand about yourself. That self-awareness I would imagine is really helpful, really healing. And it's really interesting because, you know, and I, I would imagine it's not this simple, but if you pursuing these artistic endeavors, these, these maybe less STEM oriented endeavors was what helped in some ways bring you out of anxiety and depression, the interesting thing about that is that the work that you create, and specifically, because I haven't seen your uh, your theater work necessarily, but your Johnny Sun account and your book, they really do help people acknowledge and deal with things like anxiety and depression, but you do it in a really disarming way that you kind of feel more open to listening to and talking about because you strike this really wonderful balance between beautiful optimism and silliness while also speaking really honestly about the difficulties of life. It, it's just so interesting seeing the way that uh, the thing that ended up being a tool to help you fight back against anxiety and depression ended up becoming, I think, hopeful for other people who are following along and have gotten the opportunity to witness your art. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, like the way I always see um, my work and and I think any sort of creative um, outlet that I have is it's it's I do I do it primarily as a way of like me trying to figure out the world or me trying to like work through um, work through things. And and a lot of it is, well, if like if if this is who I am, what type of work do I want to see or what type of artwork? or art do I want to see in the world that would help me figure this stuff out about myself. So to me, it's all of this is incredibly personal. And I, I think that that level of like almost like specificity um, that I, I kind of obsess over and put into uh, even like even the tweets or, or the book or the, or the theater work or any of any of those things um, I think being that specific and like honing down to specifically the things that I need to hear for myself or the things that I need to kind of get out in order for me to process this also applies to other people. And I think that's for me, it's kind of the most amazing thing in the world because usually I write these things and I'm like, well, no one else is going to care about this or like this is so specific to me that I'm not sure that that this would apply to anyone else. But then obviously, like we know because of the way storytelling works and the way like um, human nature is that the more specific you get about something kind of the more universal it becomes and, and the more kind of the more kind of detail that you um, 
you put into work. And like, that was something that took me a long time to learn. Like when I used to, when I started out writing sketch comedy, I used to always want to write like these kind of morality fables. Um, the things where like, you don't have a lot of specifics and you're trying to like, like you're trying to tell a story or like talk about an idea. But I learned really quickly that you need those specifics and the more specific you can get, the, the more people will be able to like, to see, see themselves in these specificities. That's so true. And I feel like, I mean, there's two components to that. One is I find that, yeah, I've definitely found that I am not an anomaly in the world. I think that, and in some ways I'm really unique and I've got hair that probably nobody else has it. And I've got like these weird, bizarre things about myself. But at the same time, like from a personality perspective, I find it actually really refreshing to realize that if I think some way, other people probably share that thought. Or it's like when you're in college and your professor says, hey, you know, there's no dumb questions. If you have a question and and you don't ask it, the chances are that actually somebody else has that question and, and they aren't asking it as well. And so I like the idea of, of really zooming in and, uh, and examining my life publicly so that other people can hopefully see themselves in that, even if it's just a small part of themselves. But then you are so right about this idea of the most universal things are the closest things up. It's like the closest zoomed in. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's a really cool thing. And, And who would have thought that, you know, your Twitter account about an alien named Jomni, which is also your life, would connect with so many people, but you're diving into really serious ideas. And how do you find that balance, I guess, internally, but also when you're putting things out in the world between silliness and optimism and talking really honestly about the difficulties of life? Right. I think there, like, there probably is a tie between like that idea and me trying to like be an engineer and an architect and also like a, a comedian <laughs> and all, all, all the things um, where like, I, th- I think what I'm trying to do is, is um, paint like a, a whole picture, like a holistic um, picture of, I guess of myself or, or try to represent um, the different, that different sides of me where I think every person in the world is, is, kind of silly and goofy and and has a fun side or um this kind of loose side and then um everyone is also uh, kind of dealing with um very deep personal issues and i don't think um one needs to separate those two like i i i think that at least with my like my own my own struggles with like anxiety and depression is that I have days where I am unable to do things. I'm like where I am in bed all day. Um, when I was working on the book, I had days where I would literally sit um, at the page with my pen in my hand and not be able to bring it to paper. Um, or I would, or I would like stare at a panel that I had done and and kind of spend the day thinking like no one is gonna want to read this or why am I doing this and like these these like horribly crippling. Um, days of self-doubt yeah but I guess I guess during days like that um like interspersed between those days I also had um days that were uh joyful and and exciting and and fun and I think for me I I, I'm just trying to find 
find a way to capture all of that, like the 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 wholeness of of that experience. Um, and the other thing is, I think when you're writing, when I'm writing, like at least for Twitter, is again, it's it's this idea that people are trying to like pin down what what you're all about. And so I think when people kind of see me and they know me for like a super silly, funny tweet, um, for me, it's really interesting to to talk openly and honestly about some things that I'm worried about or thing, things that are bothering me and kind of just like throw them off balance a little bit. Because I think that level of, of like surprise creates like a deeper emotion and a deeper bond to someone else. Like I'm always... I want to like understand like all the different contradictions of people at all, like all the time, right? Like I, I don't want to see someone and just be able to pin them down or have them present like a, a one-sided version of themselves. Um, I'm interested in like the the weird, the weird like things that contradict each other, like the the things that are happening um, aside from like what this person is thinks who who they think they are who they're trying to present themselves as yeah and i think that in an age where everybody is in some ways marketing themselves kind of knowingly or unknowingly you know you're choosing what to put out publicly we curate ourselves to be less human-like and by choosing to put the good and the bad and these contradictions online it's it's well it's bad branding but it's good humaning. Like you actually connect with people way better because of it. And there's something really special about that. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I think like, well, I noticed when I was, when I started on Twitter, you could really easily tell, um, and I think you still can, you can tell the people, like you can tell which accounts or which people are trying to use Twitter to get famous, right? Like you can, you can tell when someone's like kind of overbranding themselves, um, or, or trying to really like use use it for one intention and one intention only. And for me, that kind of um, instantly turns me off of them because because again, for me, like I'm most interested in like in seeing uh, honest people and and trying to get to know more people through um, through social media. So for me, it's like it's also this test of like, well, okay, I have now I have this anonymous account. Now I have this account where I don't show like I literally don't show the the visual aspects of what makes me a human, right? Like I'm not showing my face or or like any details about my personal life. So what what's so the challenge there is like, what else can I do to prove that I'm a real person? Uh, and like that, I guess that's kind of like a meta the meta challenge in my head of like. Well, how do, how do I present myself as a, a real and honest person at all times? And then how do I find people who are also trying to do that and um, being honest online? And, and those are the people that I've really been drawn to and I think I've become hmm. really close friends with. Okay, so you've got your Twitter account. It's being turned into, or, or rather, you are writing a book from the perspective of uh, Jomni Sun, the character on your Twitter account who's an alien um break down a little bit more of like the story of of what happens in this book and oh my gosh i just i loved the book i, <laughs> oh I loved God. it so much thanks so much um well like i i i think i'd all like even before the the twitter account like even before i got on twitter i'd always wanted to be um an illustrator actually and and no way yeah and before like the twitter i i wanted to do web comics um because like i think bef- like 
the age of the internet before Twitter and social media came around, like the the thing everyone was into was like web comics. And so I, I, I've always wanted to do one of those. Um, but I, then I fell into Twitter and um, became really happy writing on Twitter. But I'd always had in my head like, well, what is the visual kind of aspect of this? Or what is like, how can I tell a visual story um, building upon upon this work that is very text-based um so like i i didn't spinning that around in my head for a while and then eventually um i started thinking about like about new structures of narrative um and i'd like i'd been writing i'd written a few plays and i'd been thinking about like well how is like how can how is playwriting or how is my ability to write um, informed and shifted by being on social media and kind of thinking of like the narrative of the timeline, right? Because that's a very different way of reading stories than than you get traditionally. Um, and one of my favorite tweets ever, I think it's by um, this account, Linzita, that, that it says, it's something like um, Twitter is like reading 50 books at the same time, but then also all the characters interact with each other. Oh, yeah, <laughs> which is so interesting. Yeah, it's perfect. It's always kind of stuck with me. And I, I was thinking of that and I was like, wow, there there really is some truth to that, I think. Um, in the sense that when I go on Twitter, I don't get like inundated with like 50, 100 different people who um, who like don't know each other and kind of talking over each other. There is this sense um, of like, I know all these people now and they kind of know each other and I'm kind of aware of their relationships um, with each other and and all the like the social stuff that happens underneath um, like this constant timeline feed right and so like I, I was thinking a lot about that and then I was like well this kind of works this could maybe work as a book and so the story of like everyone's an alien when you're an alien too um, is is about Jomni this alien coming to earth meeting a lot like a, a ton of characters on earth and then kind of following them around their lives and and seeing like keeping little updates on them as as they live their lives and as time passes and so if if you go through the book it's not like a chapter with the hedgehog character and then a chapter with like the owl character it's like one page of the hedgehog and then one page of like a tree and then one page of the owl and then it goes back to the hedgehog and like there i think there was something about that that was definitely informed by um the way i was experiencing twitter and i wanted to to use that as kind of an inspiration to um to to do this so in a sense it is kind of it's like based it's a book based on twitter in more ways than one wow i hadn't even thought about that i did i think i acknowledged the format difference but not the format similarity if that makes sense i was like okay this is different than a traditional book in the way that, you know, it isn't a whole chapter about a particular character. It's, you know, all these characters within a setting, and then the next chapter is all these separate characters in a setting, et cetera, kind of. But I didn't even think about how similar that is to Twitter. Wow, beautiful. I'm glad. I'm I'm so glad because I, like, I don't, I didn't want to explicitly make it about that. Yeah, in, no. in a way, like, yeah, I didn't want people even to, like, um, think about that, but I did want to kind of say, I did think that people would understand how to read this thing because I think everyone now is on, um, if not Twitter, Facebook or Instagram where it's, it's the same, like this timeline feed is, um, we've kind of learned how to read that. Right. 
And I think the book that I did, um, I'm not sure it would like make sense 10 years ago, for example, right? Like I, I think we now are, are I've kind of trained ourselves to be able to think in this way. And so I'm, I'm hoping that um, people kind of see the book and pick it up and be like, this is kind of different, but I also strangely like get how to read this. Mm. It's it's really an interesting idea because Jomni in the book, he learns about the human experience, not just from one person, not just from one guide or one mentor, but from a variety of people. And they all teach him a little piece and that helps him understand this greater puzzle that is life and the complex human experience. And that's the most accurate way to describe our lives. You know, you've got... You've got Luke Skywalker who learned about the Force from Yoda, but the truth is that that's just one piece of the story, but Luke Skywalker actually learned about life from... This may be going a little too deep, but like he learned about life from a thousand different people. And I like the idea of capturing that and how everybody has something really unique to bring to the story and to bring to the occasion. Yeah, and I was like drawn to the idea of like the hero as as a listener as opposed to a speaker. Like I think um, for me, Jomini's like um, this character that comes and is able to just to be there to listen to people. And, and I know that like through my experience, um, just like being, knowing that someone is there to listen to you or, or having, or being the person that, is just there to to listen um, is incredibly healing and incredibly um, powerful in terms of just um, making someone feel safe and comfortable and and um, able to to share right and so I, I like the I I really wanted to like translate that uh, into the book and kind of like talk about like the power of 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 a listener and a, the power of just like talking. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yeah, I cannot speak highly enough of your book and and how how fun it is to read, but how it also leaves you thinking. Like I I don't want to I don't know if it's possible to spoil, but I think so. I think it's possible to spoil. But the the final part of the book has just continued to leave me thinking and and be analyzing like where is this true in my life? Is this true? But it, you know all these things and oh man, it's. Now I'm now I'm just thinking about it. Like now it's almost distracting me thinking about it, which is the best. Oh my gosh! Um, thank you so much. Oh man, it's so. And did you do all the illustrations yourself for the book? Yeah, I did. So that was actually the hardest part because I this is kind of like a book of like uh, like tweets or like tweet like things that like this narrative strung together, and it's also like it'll also be illustrated. But like the illustrated part, I like put in at the end, and I was like, oh, this will this will be easy. And then like, and I was like, okay, so I could probably do this in like three months um uh, but then i found out that illustrating like a 300 page book where every every page is an its own illustration is a lot of work um and so that took about that took i think about like eight months to 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 do all of the work and it, like again like i i, I kind of got into it and um was going through um was like having issues with anxiety and depression and trying to work through that through the book but also kind of realizing that the book was um making making some of these things worse for me uh and so it was like this strange relationship where I was kind of pouring uh, my heart into this and trying to 
but but at the same time kind of realizing like this is something that's feeding into this and and so it was a it was a it was an interesting and tough process to go through we talked a little bit earlier about how when you were going hard in you know more education focused stuff and you were neglecting creativity and comedy how reintroducing those things to your life helped you combat anxiety and depression and I know that you're still fairly fresh off of creating the book, but did you find, I don't want to say antidote because it's not that easy, but was there something that stepped in and, and helped you fight it? Or do you feel like you're still in that middle area? What does that look like? I think I'm still trying to find out um, the best ways for myself to to kind of deal with these things or to live with these, um, live with this, these like mental health issues um i i do know that when i got really deep into working on the book those were also moments when i was i think suffering the most um i kind of like got so into it that i actually tore my shoulder because i was i was drawing i was drawing like 14 hours a day at one point and i was like super tense and trying to get this done and like driven a lot by kind of like uh, this like extreme anxiety and this extreme stress of of trying to do this the best way, um, but ended up kind of overdoing it and and hurting my shoulder. So I like I think I think the thing that I've figured out about myself is, and this is the hardest thing for me to do, um, but is to is to take breaks and to find a balance. And I learned that I had to kind of force myself away from this project that I loved doing. Like this was this is my dream to have done, to do a book and to kind of get to spend a year of my life working on a creative project is um, the best thing. But I also realized, well, this is also um, mental work, right? This is also, this also takes energy and, um, and, and it is a form of work. And so I need to give myself a break from that as well. So yeah, I think finding that, finding that balance and being able to, uh, to turn off was, was something that still is very difficult for me. And that self care is, is key. Absolutely. And I think that that's something that you've done a really good job of talking about, especially online and, and through, you know, another little fun piece of technology that, that you're involved oh, yeah. in is, uh, is you've got a little bot on the internet, the tiny care bot. Yeah, um, it's my little horcrux. <laughs> It'll live on way after your death. Right. Yeah. Reminding people to drink more water, please. <laughs> right. Um, and it's like, I love, I'm, I'm so glad we like, we, we remembered to talk about that because that was... Um, I again, that was something that I made for myself. That was uh, that came out right after the that I made that right after the election. Um, and in November, um, I like my friends were all kind of horribly upset, and um, and I remember like I I was stuck in bed, like I couldn't I couldn't get out of bed, I couldn't function, and I found myself like just obsessively on Twitter. Um, all day just trying to like find an anchor to to center all this stuff that was happening and and obviously not being able to find anything because everyone was kind of um, going through this um, this like communal group process of trying to trying to understand what was happening and for me I was like wow I like I I realized that okay I need I actually need like an external thing for me to be a little bit accountable to to take care of myself and so I was like, I'm going to make this bot that will 
um, show up on my Twitter feed. So when I'm scrolling through Twitter for hours on end, I'll have to see it and then be forced to kind of reckon with it. And it'll be like right there in, in my timeline. So I have to deal with it. Um, so that's that's kind of what I did. I, I, I made the spot purely for myself in a way that, again, like in a way that I built it with the language and kind of with like the emojis and like the aesthetic that would appeal to me that would probably get the best response out of me when I saw those tweets. And then eventually I was like, well, this kind of might help other people as well. And so I, I tweeted about it and it turns out that um, a lot of people found it helpful and useful. And so I'm, I'm so happy that that happened. Yeah. And I love that it started off as something where you're just like, I need this. And, it, and it's kind of coming back full circle because it turned out that when you created something really specific for a specific need you had, other people were able to connect with it deeper. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's like my ultimate lesson or the thing I've learned throughout my entire life about like creative work is not to think about like what other people want to see or what other people like you don't, I, it doesn't help me when I'm like, here's what other people would like, or here's, here's kind of the thing that other people um, would want to see or read or whatever. It's for me, it's what, like what, what kind of would make me really happy to see out in the world and then to make that version. And then um, that's going to be more intriguing and interesting and honest to everybody else. Actually, I was going to, to mention this to you because I don't think a lot of people realize this, but if you click on your tweets and then you look at the replies, you are actually replying to a ton of these people. And you're not just saying like, thanks or like, haha, your response was funny. You're like saying, oh, Brett, great, like great tweet. That was awesome. It, you're building relationships on Twitter. What's that process been like? You know, not just allowing other people to connect with you and see themselves in you, but you're connecting with others through what you're doing. Right. Well, like, I think when I, when I write, like, as I was saying, like, I think the stuff that I write is me, like, trying to get, trying to, like, accurately capture my own personal thoughts or struggles or questions in a very specific way. And for me, the excitement of, of Twitter is being able to put that out there instantly and getting the feedback on that. Um, and finding out that, oh, like here, here are like hundreds of other people's, uh, hundreds of other people who are, um, who also know exactly what that feeling is and, or who also are like going through that right now. Um, and that kind of sense of connection is so fulfilling and gratifying and inspiring. Um, like it really gives me a lot of, um, energy and a lot of kind of like life to, to know that there are other people who are, who are going through this stuff. Um, so for me, it's not like, it's not an intentional, like, oh, I, I need to reply to like 10 people every day. It, for me, it's really just like, there are people out there who are connecting with me and I want to connect with them. And to the best of my ability, I'm going to to try to because because I see them as as people and I see them as, as my friends. And I think in real life, I'm not um, a very good at the face-to-face stuff. Like I'm not good at parties. Um, I am <laughs> not good at being around um, a lot of people because I, 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 I tend to like close up and, and, and worry about kind of like how, how to, I'm like, I don't know how to perform properly in those situations, but, um, but online, I, I think I'm able to be more, uh, more honest and expressive. Do you feel like you're better one-on-one than with a group of people? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that's why I love, I'm kind of excited about this podcast because that's what we get to do. We get to like hang out and, and, and talk. Well, cause with one-on-one you, you, it doesn't always happen, right? But you have the opportunity, I think, to be a little more, um, honest and you can let some of those shields down, like let some of the performance slip away and, and try to, try to connect to someone yeah. a bit more openly. Sometimes I wonder if Twitter and by extension, maybe other sites, but maybe uniquely Twitter is really, even if you've got, you know, a bajillion followers, it's a one-on-one conversation with a bajillion people. Um, instead of, it doesn't feel like you're on stage in front of like a whole stadium of people. It does feel like you're just having a one-on-one conversation with anybody that wants to join in. There's something cool about that idea. Yeah. It's so intimate too. And I've I've been like thinking about this a lot lately about how it you're right it it does feel different from like broadcasting to a crowd and then having the crowd talk back right um it as soon as someone responds to anything um that you put out on twitter it it feels like you're having oh now you're like you zoom into like this one-on-one conversation with this person and it might just be like oh like a single response but you have you share like a a one-on-one moment as opposed to like uh like I'm a performer on stage and I'm like, I'm like shouting out someone in the crowd, right? Like there's such a different kind of intimate connection. And I think that's, that really is something that I found really cool about, about Twitter. And I wanted to ask you, cause you um, have like your, this Instagram account where you share all these stories. Um, how, how do you like, how do you feel about that? And what is your relationship with, um, with people through, through that medium? Yeah, you know, it's so funny because in some ways, I feel like Instagram has shifted and evolved through the years, and it's a little bit different now than it it was years ago, and I I still love it so much, but in the early days of Instagram, I would say that there were like two or three years where almost everybody that I met, almost all of my friends, I met through Instagram. I would travel the country uh, for photography. My background is in photography. And I would crash on strangers' couches that I met through Instagram. And it wasn't just like I was like, all right, cool, I'm going to be in uh, California. Who should I, who can I find on Instagram who I know in California? It was like I'd built a relationship with somebody over the course of a year at Friendship. And then I was like, hey, I'm in California. Like, let's finally hang out together. And it's really cool thinking about how that can happen. But I think that what it was was I started choosing to be vulnerable. And and I actually didn't make this connection to to what you're doing until just now when you asked that question. But I think that I intentionally decided to say, here's the crappy things that happen in my life. And not all the time, like nobody wants that. But I'm letting people in on those moments because not because I want them to like pity me or, or anything It's because I know that there's somebody else having that day. And when they're scrolling through Instagram, they're seeing a whole lot of people's highlight reels, a whole lot of people's best moments of their lives. And they're thinking, well, my life doesn't look like that. But then if they can come across the story of like me missing my flight and having to pay a bunch of money and being really disappointed and disappointing somebody on the other end of that flight, like hopefully that creates a little bit more of a connection. And and it ultimately did. You know, I've, I've met so many new friends through Instagram. Actually, one time, I, I just remembered this. I I gave out my uh, my phone number on Instagram one time. 
I just oh, was man. like riding, and I totally regret it now, or like not regret it, but like <laughs> I would never yeah. advise anybody to do that, really. <laughs> right, um, right. But I was just riding so high on this idea of of connecting with people, and I'd had so many positive experiences finding new friends and and meeting incredible people through Instagram that I was like, I'm sure there's a million more people like this, and if I can just connect, and I had tens of thousands of followers at this point. I was like, let's just do it. And I remember being flood. I remember going to bed and waking up with all of these texts and then responding to every single person, which I can't even imagine responding to every single text now. Um, (laughs) Just like from like people I know and friends and stuff. Um, But I I responded to every single person and, and a few like incredible friendships bloomed out of that. Like I can't believe it. And so it's totally possible yeah, I've had so many experiences like that. Like my email is on my Twitter account. And so I get, um, and again, I, I can't respond to all of them. And I really wish I could. Like I wish I could stop time just to like form all these friendships and connections with all these people. But um, I get so many people like just emailing me and, and I try to respond to as many as I can and, and in a meaningful way, not just like, thank you for sending a message to Johnny <laughs> Sun. Uh, <laughs> I like, I, I, I try to, I I think there's something about like yeah about finding that that really personal honest connection um especially like through the internet like you were saying how every everything sometimes feels so constructed and feels so um like branded in a way or or like overly positive yeah. in a fake way I guess yeah that's something I wanted to ask you about is how do you not make because your tweets really are positive like there's not a single tweet even the ones that are that are sad or or point to the end of the world or you know whatever it is there's somehow a sense of of positivity but it never walks into cheesy and that's intentional in an art form and and do you feel like you've figured out how you do that <laughs> um yeah I, like i don't i could never like say the the rules like uh like i could never like i think explicitly um <laughs> describe it but i think no. part of yeah i think part of it is um i am both like an extreme um optimist and an extremely cynical person in and i think i think actually you'll like or in my experience i found like probably the most optimistic um, people also are um, incredibly observant and incredibly intelligent and 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 incredibly cynical because of that. And the optimism is like I think my favorite forms of optimism and like what I consider like true optimism is understanding all the crazy dark things um, that happen in the world and and understanding where you can be cynical and then choosing not to be right. And then like and 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 it takes more. It takes so much more energy and so much more effort um, to to see the good side of something or, or to try to stay um, hopeful or positive about something um, than it does to trash something or, or to be cynical and kind of uh, admit or succumb to to like the darkness. Um, and I, I, I think that's that's the effort and the work that it goes into, into staying positive. And so for me, when I write, um, I think when I write about like the darker stuff, I am aware that there's 
like I'm trying to find the the good the good side to that, or I'm trying to trying to find um, the positive take on that. And I'm also kind of aware of now that I mean we both understand I think our positions online where we have a, a, an enormous number of people who are looking at what we put out and. I think that's incredibly important and I think there's um, an incredible kind of responsibility that you have there where you you try not to put out things that will make other people um, feel worse about the world because there's already enough of that anyway, everywhere. And and the, I think the best we can do is is try to um, try to help someone going through something. Oh my goodness, I love Johnny's son so much. I loved getting to have this conversation with him. If you're new to Sounds Good, make sure that you stick around. Go and hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts and go download a few old episodes, maybe with some names that you recognize or maybe with somebody that you've never heard of whose title just piques your interest. Whatever it is, I hope that you find something that uh, fills you with a sense of inspiration and a sense of hope and a sense of purpose. This podcast is created by me, Brandon Harvey, as a part of Good, Good, Good. We are a community that believes in the power of celebrating good news and becoming good news. Chad Michael Snavely and the team at CM Studio edit and mix our show. You can get lots more hopeful stories on social media by following us everywhere at Good, Good, Good CO. We also create a beautiful quarterly newspaper called The Good Newspaper and a weekly free email newsletter called The Good Newsletter. Both of them are chock full of good news and stories of people doing good in the world. And I would love it if you checked them out. You can learn more about both of them and sign up and subscribe at goodgoodgood.co. And on that note, that is a wrap for this week's episode. Go out and do some good this week. And we'll be back next week with another inspiring story from an incredible person. Sound good? Good.